everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where we look at the world of shipping through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today we're going to be talking about the Complemento Cartaporta, a new document required for shipments moving through Mexico. We'll chat about the cause and intent for this change and how it may impact an already challenged market with a focus on the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, with me today is Regional Transcom Manager Carolina Galindo uh, to cover the transportation side of this conversation and Regional Customs Manager David Sanchez, who will, of course, cover the customs side. Carolina and David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, before we start chatting about today's topic, I wanted to get to know you two a little bit more, uh, share a little bit about your backgrounds. Uh, Carolina, let's start with you. So Transcon is kind of, uh, it's more of an internal term for us at Expeditors. What does it mean and what do you do in your role? As you mentioned, Transcon is terminology in Expeditors. It's basically ground transportation. Mm-hmm. I do cover, as you mentioned, the region for Mexico and U.S. southern border. So basically, uh, I oversee the operations within these branches in regards to business development. Mm-hmm. Been with the company already 11 years. I have background in mostly in ground transportation, knowledge in other areas like air, ocean, and customs. Definitely mm-hmm. not an expert, more an expert on the ground transportation side of things. Uh, but yeah, my background has been mostly in that side of logistics. What about uh, ground transportation excites you? Why do you like your job? Every day is lo- is just like it's something new, right? New challenges. <laughs> you yeah. cannot say that it's going to be the same as yesterday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, just like the, the dynamics, everything changing day over day. I think it's, it's what keeps us up on this, in this challenge of logistics and ground transportation. So yeah. Things yeah. move pretty quickly. <laughs> nice. Uh, David, let's talk about you now. Uh, so what do you do as regional customs manager and uh, what's your experience or your career like it with expeditors? I've been with the company with expeditors for over 21 years now. Wow. And overall, my experience in my background uh, goes to about 30 years already. So, you know, I started, I had a degree in Mexican customs. So that's everything that I've done professionally in my entire uh, professional life. Start with, you know, small brokers, other private companies, retail on the import-export side, and then 22 years with expeditors. Because of how the Mexican customs work and operate, we have to be very structured and organized, not only in in the customs process related areas, but also on systems development and, and customs compliance. Because you know, in Mexico, customs compliance is, is an area uh, basically that falls under the umbrella mm-hmm. of the Mexican broker. Okay. So we, we have to have you know uh, a lot of uh, resources and a very very strong and robust group process system so we can perform correctly. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want to talk about that a little bit later once we start getting into this. Um, but first things first, you know, I, I mentioned uh, Complemento Cartaporta. Um, between the two of you, could you tell me what it is? What is this thing? I know all I know of it from like looking online, it's an electronic waybill complement, right? Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, David, let's start with you. Uh, the Complemento Cartaporta is actually, uh, as you mentioned, as the name mentions itself, Complement. It is it is a supplemental information or additional information to the current Mexican electronic invoice or electronic mm-hmm. billing. You know the, the acronym in, uh, for the Spanish name is CFDI. So that, that's 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 one of the main uh, elements that we have to consider. It is the complement or supplement additional information to an already existing or pre-existing format. Uh, of electronic uh, billing that Mexico has been, you know, 
using for the for the past 10 years 12 years already yeah and you are completely right it is an electronic version of the bill of lading okay. for all modes of transportation and also a key element on uh, uh, this document is it's going to be it's a, this is an official format so it is controlled and the information that is required is very very standard and consistent throughout all modes of transportation yeah, this is a big push towards more standardized information circulating throughout the throughout Mexico. Um, and, and we'll talk about a number of reasons why this was pursued. So, uh, Carolina, could you talk a little bit more about uh, your side of things? How's this, how would something like this uh, affect ground transportation? This is basically adding steps to the to our regular process when it comes to transportation, right? Mm -hmm. um, right now, like all the parties involved need to provide additional information either from the customer side, new coding, new descriptions, a lot of things that need to be in accordance to these new requirements because authorities uh, publish a specific catalogs to use. So uh, I guess that's the most important impact, like just adding steps to a process, trying to provide new information that needs to be transmitted, as its name say, electronically in a timely mm -hmm. manner. Definitely coordination between everyone that is having a, a part in a, in a shipment in the overall process needs to be pretty well coordinated itself, like to understand that the need to provide something for the shipment just to be moving within the roads of the country. So right, right. I guess that that is like the major impact when it comes to transportation. Flow of information needs to be done in a pretty timely fashion, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> uh, and just like moving the information from customer to the trucking companies and then just doing the overall transmission. It's again, the, the newest thing and definitely impacts times. So then what does the Mexican government hope to achieve with the Carta Porta? Um, what were some of the challenges that kind of necessitated this new documentation and process? Well, I guess uh, one, and I'm going to say the ones that they highlight uh, the most is obviously having a, a good traceability of goods that are moving mm. in the country. They definitely, they want to know what it's moving within our roads and just across the country. Unfortunately, there's a lot of informal business. And also since this new requirement comes from the Mexican tax administration, mm -hmm. they do regulate or all the fiscal things within the country. So they definitely want to eliminate for this informality just on any transportation services. They want to make sure that everyone that is contracting a transportation service is paying obviously the tax. Uh, that they should pay because of contracting these services with the trucking companies. Mm -hmm. So those are, I'm going to say, the, the two um, the two mayors. I don't know, David, do you want to add on something else? Oh, yeah, that definitely security. It's how this new requirement started. And built already in, in the electronic invoice, it was a, a very easy way to make sure that bill of lading information was available online, and uh, cannot be, you know, just print paper document, which, you know, right. was the previous process and was very easy to hide some information. So security, also the routes, as Karina said, make sure that if a product is moving from one city to the other and suddenly it, it shows up somewhere else within the country, the, the authorities the, immediately, they're going to be able to find out or to think, realize that there is something wrong or possibly mm -hmm. wrong with that shipment. And then also there was a lot of informal transportation within Mexico. 
Sure. So the, the fact that this mandatory requirement is built uh, within the uh, fiscal invoice, that pretty much reduces or almost eliminates the fact that some of those uh, uh, movements, uh, they were not falling under the umbrella of the IRS. So mm-hmm. now authorities are going to have additional uh, sources of revenues through both uh, value-added tax and income tax. While it slows down the shippers or, or forwarders, does this speed up customs enforcement for the Mexican government? If they can catch things, you know, like, like while things are en route, is that is that the point too to speed that up, or is that even a factor here? I think the authorities used uh, the existing uh, CFDI or electronic invoice platform because it has already been in place for twelve years, and pretty okay. much the information is visible online. It's you know, information is very very easy for the authorities to obtain and to confirm to validate because everything mm-hmm. is electronic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not necessarily a, a customs process. It's not really a requirement for the entry itself, mm-hmm. but uh, they and our, the authorities are going to enforce or are enforcing the uh, non-compliance of this requirement as contraband, as a fiscal customs process. So they have the, the way to detain cargo while they investigate or you know just make sure that you know their findings however they have to act or follow up is going to be there yeah but yeah. it's not really a customs process they just build it around the fiscal and, 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 and customs proceedings so they have the authority to detain the cargo i was wondering if one of you could illustrate the role mexico plays in the americas when it comes to logistics what is mexico doing now and, and what is it trying to accomplish um in the western hemisphere Mexico, it's going through a modernization process, which mm. is, you know, somehow advanced and, you know, with, with uh, a lot of steps forward, a few steps going backward. But Mexico, about 20, 25 years ago, it was protectionist economy, meaning mm-hmm. that average duty rates were around 125%. They were very, very high countervailing duties just uh, as a measure to protect the the Mexican economy or the Mexican industry, not really, you know, properly analyzed or properly established. And a lot of uh, goods, including machinery, they were subject to, to import permits. So it was, oh, okay. it was a way to obtain uh, additional income and pretty much restrict and protect the national industry. Mm-hmm. Mexico, in the mid-80s, they start moving towards becoming part of back then the GATT, now it's uh, the the World Trade Organization. And in order to do that, they have to reduce and to minimize, you know, all the uh, illegal or one-sided protectionist measurements, such as, you know, duties and also the the import permits. In the last decade, I will say Mexico even moved forward in order to become a, a safe partner. So Mexico applied to become part of the Basinar Arrangement. Mm-hmm. implemented the authorized economic operation program and pretty much the duties, uh, import duties uh, uh, in Mexico, they average less than 15% now. There are just a very, very few uh, import permits to you know, specific goods like uh, really, really illegal, illegal type of products. Mexican uh, uh, government, they, they, they're not looking to establish a protectionist measurement through permits, so that's over. So uh, Mexico, the current scenario of Mexico, it's an, an open economy with a very, very low duty rates. 
Mm-hmm. And the, the regulations or the import requirements are also very, very low and more simplified. And then, Carolina, your turn. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on is just the fact that it's a huge, you know, it brings in a lot of raw materials and does that, that manufacturing of final goods. Could you talk a little bit right. about that and help me understand that? Yeah, of course. I mean, as we may know, Mexico has a lot of these programs from many years ago under what we know as the maquilas or maquiladoras. So yeah, basically labor for that matter is pretty low for any other economies that being taken in consideration. That's why it applies for having imports, a lot of raw material, having them be transformed here in Mexico uh, in different areas of the country, and then just getting back into the U.S. or to Canada or any other uh, countries in any other mode of transportation as finished products. Mm-hmm. So definitely it that is, I'm going to say, like the model that you see the most uh, with any companies that you see that have investments here in the country with a lot of automotive industry, a lot of the OEMs and the automakers are here also in Mexico. So yeah, I mean, definitely that is like the model that we see most. And we can say as a general fact that that's how it it, it works, right? It's uh, everything comes raw, it is being transformed and then goes out as finished products. Because of the uh, trade wars and, and tariffs and things like that, are, are companies finding themselves kind of changing their sourcing to Mexico? Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen some trends, I'm going to say in the last years uh, where you see a lot of uh, investments, for example, from Korean companies or Chinese mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely we, we see those trends of these countries investing and having a lot of labor being placed here in the country. So, I mean, those are two of the most recent examples I can think of. But yeah, yeah I mean, we definitely see that changing. So now that a month has gone by since the Carta Porta was implemented, I think it was January 1st was the was the kind of the start date for that. What have been some of the challenges for freight forwarders and shippers alike as they work their way through this new change? Well, I mean, as mentioned, it was a massive change for everyone, right? <laughs> sure. So it was it is basically just uh, adding steps to the process. Uh, everyone needs right now it's in this learning curve of understanding how they need to step in, what information they need to provide. Mm-hmm. I guess system-wise, uh, definitely there's been some backlogs when it comes to transmitting the information. Imagine the number of national carriers that we have in the country and, and the amount of shipments that are moved also across the country. A lot of information now is traveling and definitely that also can slow down the systems by themselves. Yeah. So that is something we've seen also in the past weeks. Um, we also have uh, cases where... We do have customers from the U.S., for example, that they don't necessarily have a counterpart here in Mexico that can support in this type of uh, compliance to new regulations. So okay. all the information, for example, that, that authorities have published is in Spanish. So sometimes mm. also the language barrier we can see is somehow it's a struggle uh, for specific cases. Um, sure. Obviously, it is difficult for this to be something new and only be available in Spanish, for example. Mm. So I guess those are the things that I mean, everyone is just trying to get uh, like enrolled in the new process and, and, and trying to have things be more smooth as we are moving along. Yeah. But I mean, timing wise shipments, we can see some sort of delay nothing really, really big as of now, but I mean, we do have exceptions and Mm -hmm. I mean, they're being managed. David, you said that, you know, customs brokerage works a little bit differently in Mexico. Could you talk a little bit about that? I know that for for freight forwarders too, some will have their own customs brokerage departments and such. How does that change uh, once it's uh, operating in Mexico? 
Well, uh, first of all, the, the the Mexican customs law, I would say that that is the biggest difference to many other countries. For the Mexican customs law, the Mexican broker is liable for all the information that is transmitted to customs. So quantities, description, country of origin, import requirements, every single piece of information falls under the, or the Mexican broker is co-responsible to, to transmit that information accurately. With that being said, that, that is one of the key or main elements the Mexican broker has to deal with. And because of that, push from the authorities to enforce pretty much the law through the brokers. There's also a very limited amount of brokers in Mexico because it's around 870, 880 brokers approved in Mexico only. There hasn't been any uh, opening for new brokers since 1998 or so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a very it's, it's a very finite amount then. Huh? Yeah, the, the, the authorities, wow. uh, b- because of uh, how they enforce the law through the brokers, for the authorities, it's easier to enforce the law, again, within less than a thousand brokers rather than maybe 200,000 importers or exporters. So broker has to be very diligent to, to what we do. Thus, yeah. it's very normal that our process in Mexico is more complex, is more thorough uh, from the broker. Pretty much uh, the options are to be right or to be wrong. So again, <laughs> the scrutiny and the amount of uh, the peace of mind that a broker has to put into each uh, import-export document mm-hmm. is way higher than the commonly are in other countries. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're wrong, it means fines. It means your, yeah. your shipments get held up. The enforcement penalties may go very, very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, still in Mexico, customs falls under the umbrella of the IRS. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, whenever the, the amounts or the issues pass certain line, a uh, certain limit, then they become a fiscal issue. It's no longer or is not only a, a customs uh, administrative element, but may go to an actual, the very legal, fiscal legal side, which is very, very bad for the companies. Yeah. And also uh, Mexican customs, they use a way to enforce and make sure that everything is okay with the broker and importers and exporters by very easily removing or putting a, a hold on the import or export privileges. Clearly there's a customs bottleneck here. I, I'm curious, you know, I, I talked in our intro here that I wanted to cover, you know, what's going on between the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, I know that it's seen its fair share of challenges over the last year, but we, we've not really talked about it on the podcast. Um, could one of you explain what it's like right now for transportation across the border? Like, what does the physical trucking bottleneck look like? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that naturally from Mexico, there's always more shipments going from Mexico to the U.S. rather hmm. than the other way around, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this more. Has always been the, it's always been this way. Yeah, I mean, naturally, that's been the way because of what we spoke about, how Mexico works naturally on transforming goods to finished goods. With everything that started, I'm going to say with the pandemic, like all the things that I'm going to say impacted because of this Mm-hmm. because we have less drivers out there in the industry because companies were shut down a few months and everything that evolved around the pandemic, this made even for this imbalance to be greater. We can see right now for every 10 shipments that are moving from Mexico into the U.S., we see only uh, one coming back or one available wow. driver to be moving those uh, 10 uh, uh, trucks 
oh that God. are physically at the border, right? And what was it like before? Before uh, it's tip it was typically three to one. The ratio <laughs> was like three to one. So yeah, That's man. So many. Wow. Yeah, everything like just uh, blew up <laughs> in our faces. Yeah. I mean, and and I mean just the market overall right this is not been right, specific right. to to anyone but just how the market started working so imagine having uh demand going really really high not having mm -hmm. available uh, equipment availability not having drivers available because they were um because of covid because they are retiring because they are not returning to the industry so that is making a lot of the struggles that are we are currently living in the market and another aspect too is it um, it doesn't make sense to bring back empty equipment. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it's been a measure, but right now, like having empties again, back into Mexico as right. to have enough capacity for just the companies be pushing out the shipments as they, as they need to is one of the measures that I'm going to say it's, it's become a common practice. So that's why also. I'm going to say when it comes to rates and everything related on that side, also those mm -hmm. things have been like on their highest uh, records because of everything that right now, again, demand going up and not having enough supply. I mean, it's just uh, the logic side of things. It's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So with the border and now Carta Porta now in effect here, what is Mexico um, doing to kind of like ease the complexity to, to address all of this? What are they doing? Yeah, well, the carriers, I'm going to say, speaking from their standpoint, um, obviously, they're trying to retain their drivers as much as possible. They're, course, they they yeah. do are doing, I mean, they, they are doing investments when it comes to buying new equipment, uh, having a few challenges in there, but they also are trying to, uh, I'm going to say, develop their own driver school, something that probably we see that it's pretty common in the U.S., not that common okay. in Mexico. So I'm going to say that the carriers are trying to go a step further and also take advantage of this situation, right? Grow mm -hmm. um, within trying to have their own driver schools. That is something really, really new in the country. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to take a while. Obviously, probably we're going to, we're not going to see like the, the results within this year, probably. But I mean, it's something that their strategies are more aligned into uh, growing organically rather than uh, what they did or they were used to doing in the past. Uh, on the custom side, David, do you know of anything that Mexico is doing to kind of make things easier for people or, or to like release the, relieve the complexity here? I, I would say that even though the, 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 there's legal complexity on, on how the Mexican customs operate, I think also the, the, the law or the requirements are very black and white. Are very clear mm. and they are uh, very upfront. Okay, it's not common that we can have or, or uh, importers or exporters may have a, a, a surprise that really, really is going to affect or pretty much shut them down in doing business in Mexico. The climate has changed in Mexico. To, to you know, we have a different party in government. They have a different uh, way of uh, doing things, but. In general, I will say that it's very clear line where the customs and in general, the Mexican uh, uh, Ministry of Economy, uh, they're trying to go. Uh, what could uh, shippers be doing in order to make their own lives easier as they try to move their products through Mexico? What would you say are some of the best practices right now? Well, when it comes to um, the transportation uh, side of things, I'm going to say shippers are more um, used to 
and understanding the market itself. Like, mm-hmm. what are the things that are being uh, having an impact? And therefore, they're trying to become a preferred shipper. And it's basically they do, they try to work based on forecast, mm-hmm. the plan as much as possible, communicate those plans to your uh, logistics partner. Obviously, they are trying to make their operations be more efficient, like minimizing the loading and unloading times, trying for it. Uh, the whole process be, I'm going to say, more easy for the drivers. So they like actually want to run those loads. So I guess it's just around trying to make from their side things a little bit more easier, more efficient and cooperating, obviously, as to also provide anything that we need for just everything move as as easy as possible and as smooth as possible. Right. Sounds like a lot of like just do your homework. And then do as much pre-work, <laughs> as much work ahead of time as possible. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. moving things uh, upstream, it's definitely what it's, what we've seen actually has, uh, has an impact, a positive impact mm. uh, and just try to overcome all the complexity and the market struggles right now. Well, no, definitely make sure that the, the, their Mexican counterpart, they are, first of all, aware of the new requirement that they have a clear understanding of what it is and they have already either within their organization or within their service providers assign uh, the responsibility to provide and uh, assign these new pieces of information and definitely a way that they can handle it and manage this uh, information in a safely manner with the most automation possible. Well, uh, David and uh, Carolina, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about this. If people wanted to know more about Complemento Cartaporta or just understanding the what's going on at the U.S.-Mexico border, um, where would you direct them? I mean, I will say um, there's definitely resources uh, directly provided by the authority, like mm-hmm. the which is the IRS in Mexico, which is the SAT. Uh, directly to their page they definitely have they're updating the information constantly publishing everything and that's basically the resource everyone is uh, using to keep updated and and just align to the requirements that that we are having from their end so that will be a good source Uh, yeah i agree with carolina and uh, for those uh, customers uh, because the resources that we have in mexico uh, they are uh, uh, all the information is only in Spanish, mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. only in Spanish. So for those, they cannot read Spanish or understand Spanish, definitely with their uh, transportation providers or logistics partner, they, they, it's a very good way so they can understand, learn, and also plan upon this, this uh, carta port. Well, the two of you, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.